Ah, well, welcome back. I had no plans whatsoever to do this Three Worlds podcast episode. Um, I intended to do a series of 10 and this is the 11th. And this is happening utterly unexpectedly because I was rifling through a hard drive today and I came upon a recording that I made back in 2006. And I had totally forgotten it was there. It was a complete mystery to me, but I listened to it. And I thought, bloody hell, I thought, I think I ought to stick that on a podcast. So this is a bonus podcast. This is series four, episode 11. And it's about wealth. Uh, It's probably not going to be as long as the others, but it'll be as long as it should be as it could be as it will be. I actually ought to be doing sacred hoop work at the moment. So this is a little bit like sharpening one's pencils or doing something to distract oneself because I kind of I'm just about to start doing editing of articles. And although I enjoy it, I kind of also don't enjoy it and put off starting it. So you're you're my excuse to put off doing some work so here i am muttering into a microphone instead of knuckling down and being a good boy so uh thank you all right so listen the the recording that i found is a tibetan buddhist zambala practice which is a very simple wealth practice I had no idea I had recorded it, but it was a nice piece of recording. So that's why I'm going to use it. I'm going to stick it on the end of this podcast so that you can listen to it. It's a practice that, as far as I'm aware, you don't need an empowerment for. Uh, So and although it's very traditionally Buddhist, it's a lovely, peaceful practice to do for your own benefit and the benefit of other beings In an earlier episode in this series, I talked about merit. There's lots of merit building in this practice and it has benefits for your own bank account and it has benefits for the bank account of all other beings, even those beings that don't have bank accounts. So I thought I would just briefly talk about wealth because there's an enormous amount of strife at this time in the world. People are kind of um here in 2022 people are kind of concerned about fuel costs and there's a recession looming and all sorts of stuff and wealth is really important money is really important we need to be able to look after ourselves and in all traditions there are wealth practices and our spirits have to kind of be contacted regarding that too sometimes you know We have to eat. We are physical beings. We have to eat. We have to pay our bills. And also we have to live in trust. You know, I do believe very firmly that if we're leading a medicine path or a shamanic path, we have to trust the spirits. But as my mother always used to say, them that don't ask, don't get. So we have to ask for help. So it's really good to ask the spirits for help, to pray for help, to ask for money to come in. And um, 
to make offerings, to build merit for that too, to do things that are going to be of benefit for other beings. We don't want to be greedy and just think of ourselves. We have to think of all our relations. So we encourage the universe to give generously to all beings so that all beings are fed and looked after. And that includes us. As a Buddhist, I do a wealth practice. I don't do the one that is actually on the recording at the end of this one, uh, at the end of this podcast. But I do another wealth practice from time to time, which is a wealth practice to do with Padmasambhava. Um, Padmasambhava, as I've mentioned several times already in different podcasts, is the Tantric Buddha. And in the Nyingmapa or the Nyingma school, the Nyingma school, a Nyingmapa is somebody who is part of the, the Nyingma school. I'm a Nyingmapa, but the Nyingma is the school. So in the Nyingma tradition, a lot of the beings are considered to be aspects of Padmasambhava. In fact, you could basically say all the beings are seen as a manifestation of Padmasambhava. So in that particular tradition, the wealth Buddha Zambala is seen as a form of Padmasambhava. And therefore, I do a practice, I do a wealth practice that is based around Padmasambhava. And in that manifestation, he is known as Ogyen Zambala. Ogyen is a, a word in Tibetan that comes from the country where Padmasambhava was said to have come from, Odiana. So uh, Ogyen becomes a sort of... Uh, Basically, it means the Zambala from Odiana. So that's referring to Padmasambhava as, as the wealth Buddha. And he looks like Padmasambhava, but he has a mongoose, which he holds, which is spewing up jewels, which is a, a famous sort of symbol of Zambala. Zambala, and I'll talk more about that in the recording that I found, so you'll hear about it at the end. But Zambala has a mongoose, and this mongoose vomits up riches, bit like a cat with a hairball, but nicer. Now, I often do this practice for other people, um, not just to bring them material wealth, but to bring them uh, wealth in the form of their appreciation of beauty. In the Navajo tradition, the Dine tradition from uh, the southwest states of America, the Dine talk about beauty and they talk about beauty not as something that is pretty, but as something that is an essential component of life and that everything is beautiful. And, you know, you hear that famous prayer, beauty before me, beauty behind me, beauty all around me. That sort of that's a Navajo prayer. That's a, an English translation from one of their songs. And so when people lose beauty, it's a little bit like losing soul. It's a real grinding down. And so I often will do a Zambala, an Ogyan Zambala practice for people to help restore them, restore their beauty. Wealth is the appreciation of life. Wealth is the appreciation of the clouds in the sky and the grass and the flowers and everything, the taste of our food, everything. Wealth is the resplendentness of life. It's not just our bank balances. And so doing a Zambala practice is about restoring our connection to the beauty, restoring our connection to 
the wealth that is in all things. And that's really important. You know, you can you can be as rich as an ancient king and be utterly poor in spirit. So wealth has many, many manifestations. Money is only one of them. Uh, but of course, if wealth goes out the window, there's that old saying, you know, in a, in a marriage, if wealth goes out the window, love will follow straight after. And that's true, too. We need to feel secure. We need to know where our bread is going to be coming from to put on the table. So wealth on that level is important, but wealth on a much bigger, more cosmic level is also really important, too. So like I say, I often will do a Zambala practice for other people as part of the healing work that I do for them, because to help restore the sense of beauty the sense of wealth of all things to somebody is a really important thing to do. It restores them. It restores them. And if they're feeling restored, they will act with more purpose and more intent and more focus in the world. And that will become a kind of positive feedback loop. So I do a wealth practice with Zambala, uh, with Padmasambhava Zambala, Ogyan Zambala. And I also have uh, a wealth vase. Now, a wealth vase, and I thought it would be good to talk about those a little bit. A wealth vase is an offering vase, which is full of treasures, blessed and awakened. Uh, mine was blessed and awakened in the Gandan Monastery in Ulaanbaatar in Mongolia. And uh, it's full of different things which are magical components which attract wealth and I work with it a little bit each day I smudge it and I'm kind of connect with it and it's a beautiful cloisonne vase with a picture of a mongoose spewing up jewels on on it and flowers and various other things and wealth vases are put in uh houses People have them and they have them kind of blessed in the monasteries. This is a Tibetan thing and it's also a Mongolian thing. Um, and they are designed to attract wealth to that household. And they're often passed down through generations. There are different sorts of vases. Some are earth treasure vases and they're buried in sacred sites or troubled sites to pacify the land spirits. And I also have Naga jars which are specifically made and filled with things which are, are attractive and are pleasing to naggers to pacify the naggers and of course they work as kind of treasure vases too because if you please the naggers the naggers reward you by giving jewels naggers are considered to be the keepers of treasures and so you pacify the naggers you keep the naggers sweet so that they will allow riches and treasures to come to you. So earth jars are buried where the land is troubled to do much the same. Wealth jars are kept often in cupboards or on altars, and they shouldn't ever be opened. They, they are sealed, uh, but they're full of different things. They're full of grains. They're full of little bits of silver, gold, precious jewels, all sorts of things, things which are wealthy, which attract wealth. Now, in Mongolian shamanism and in the Buddhism, too, they have something very similar called a merit bag. 
A merit bag is a, generally a brocade bag that is filled with grains and with, uh, again, little bits of silver, little bits of gold, uh, precious stones, things like that. And that is closed. It's like a drawstring bag and that's closed and put on the altar. Shamans make these for people and the Buddhist lamas uh, make them for people too. Although I've had a, a, a treasure vase for quite a long time, when I was in Mongolia recently, I was given a merit bag by a Rinpoche that I took empowerments with. Uh, we went to his house uh, in Ulaanbaatar. My shaman friends took us all to his house and it was full of uh, Mongolian people. And we, we kind of attended uh, a wealth practice there for um, White Mahakala. White Mahakala is very popular in Mongolia and he is a wealth being as well. And so there was a White Mahakala Puja happening. And at the end of the White Mahakala Puja, we were given merit bags and lots of gifts. The, the, the Rinpoche was very generous and gave us all gifts, different things. I have a, uh, a, a, a lovely porcelain bowl, which he gave, which at the time was filled full of offerings, sweets and all sorts of things. And we received the merit bag and everything else. It was a very lovely time, a, a very special afternoon. And then all of the uh, the local people kind of went and a few of us then stayed and the Rinpoche gave us all empowerments. We had a whole series of empowerments. Um, and at that time, I asked specifically if it would be at all possible to have the empowerment for the blacksmith spirit, Damshen Gawa Nagpo in Tibetan and Damshen Dolek in Mongolian. And uh, the Rinpoche allowed that and and, and uh, yeah, I, I received that empowerment, which is something that I've wanted for a long time. So so that was very magical. But receiving this merit bag was also very lovely. And that is on my altar, too. Um, but mostly I work with the treasure vase. Grains are put into treasure vases and merit bags because grains are a kind of a form of wealth. And this Technique is used in lots of different cultures. In Native American medicine bundles, especially those connected to the sort of the southwestern tribes like the Dine that I mentioned earlier, but others as well, you often will get blue corn or colored corn kernels put in uh, to a medicine bag. So they become a symbol of wealth. Food is very often done in this way, like an offering or like to attract wealth because Food is the essential first wealth that humans ever had. And so you'll use grains. In Tibetan traditions and in Nepalese shamanic traditions, you'll have generally a rice pot, a pot with rice, uncooked raw rice, which you keep on your altar. And uh, Bola taught about doing this and putting a coin on top. And I think that might also be a Tibetan tradition too, but I'm not sure. But certainly that's a Nepalese tradition from the teachings of Bola Banstola, that you have a rice pot with a coin on the top and that sits on your altar as another kind of wealth jar. In Tibetan traditions, there are also wealth arrows, which are called Dada arrows. And they are made for various things. They're actually part of Tibetan shamanism, too, where they become something to do with the ancestors. But they're often made to do with weddings. 
So the married couple will be given this wealth attraction arrow, this Dada arrow. They are generally painted red. They can vary in length from about two foot down to about just a few inches. Um, they have a, um, an arrow head on them, generally made of iron, but it can be copper. They have flights on the other end, like an arrow would. They have a small mirror, a milong or a tolly fixed to them. Uh, I used to get some very old ones from Mongolia years ago. There was a, a period where I could obtain things from Mongolia. And I had at that point many Dada arrows that came to me, very old ones. And they always had the Mongolian tollies on. Um, the, the Tibetans would use the more sort of Tibetan style Milong mirrors, but it's the same principle. So you have a mirror fixed to it. You have streamers of the five colours, which are red, yellow, blue, green and white, which represent the five elements, earth, air, water, fire and space and the four directions and the centre, north, south, east, west and the centre. Um, and you would have a bag of grains fixed to it, generally rice. And this Dada arrow would be kept in the home or sometimes placed above a doorway to attract wealth to the house. Again, I sometimes make Dada arrows for people uh, as part of the healing work that I do and uh, bless and empower them and give them to them. You can actually buy Dada arrows. There are commercially made ones. Uh, whether they're empowered or not, I'm not sure. You probably need to do the empowerment yourself. But I've seen them for sale quite often on the Internet. And in some of the shops in Mongolia that I visited, they had them there, too. Uh, a friend of mine who was there uh, bought one to take home. But the, the customs at the airport took it off him because they considered it to be an offensive weapon, which I kind of had a small smile about because of the irony of it, but also felt very sorry for him. Uh, but uh, that's the perils of air flight in this day and age. So to do wealth practices is a very good thing to do because it helps the flow of energy that comes to you and goes to other people. So talk to your spirits about doing wealth practices or you can do the very simple one that I'm going to put on the end of this podcast. Um I think that will do. I don't think I need to say any more. I'm just going to play that recording that I discovered in my wanderings through my old hard drives. And I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you enjoy me rambling on and whatever. Giving and receiving. So may we all give and may we all receive all the blessings that we need. Bye. of Yellow Jambala, a wealth practice from Tibet. The story of Yellow Jambala starts with the Buddha Sakyamuni walking one day when his cousin 
Devadatta, who was jealous of him, came upon him and threw rocks at him. And the Jambalas, three of them, the white, the yellow, and the black Jambala, stood in front of the Buddha, and the rocks hit them instead. The rocks hit black Jambala on the chest, and yellow Jambala and white Jambala on the head, and they protected the Buddha and stopped the Buddha being hurt by the rocks that were thrown at him. And so Jambala practice is about healing the Jambalas by pouring water upon their wounds. And so with the practice of Black Jambala, you pour water on his heart to cool down the bruising and the pain from the rocks. And with Yellow Jambala and White Jambala, you pour water on their head to cool their head and help them be healed. And in healing them, you heal all beings. And in return for this healing, Shambhala brings wealth to all practitioners so that they can continue to bring benefit and healing to all beings. Yellow Jambala sits on top of the moon, which in turn sits upon a lotus. In his right hand, he holds the fruit of total victory, and in his left hand, he holds a mongoose. The mantra of Yellow Jambala is Om Jambala Jalandraya Soha. The practice of Yellow Jambala is to light a butter lamp for him and to fill an offering bowl of water from a spring or a waterfall. And with your right hand, take water from the bowl and place it on Jambala's head as you recite his mantra, Om Jambala Jalandraya Soha. This should be done at least seven times, but ideally 108 times a whole mala of beads. Hold your mala in your left hand and count off the beads as you say each mantra. And when you have completed the practice, visualize the wounds and the hurt on Yellow Jambala's head being healed. And as Yellow Jambala is healed, the mongoose that he holds spews forth gold and silver and diamonds and rubies and all that is precious and valuable, vomits them unendingly into your bank account, into your life, filling it up, coming in the most unexpected ways so that you can continue to do your practice for all beings. So when you have finished visualizing the healing for Yellow Shambhala, you take time to visualize the mongoose 
spewing forth its jewels and its gems and its diamonds and its gold and its silver. And take time to visualize that filling up your own life, your own treasure hoards, your own bank accounts, coming to you in unexpected ways. And then offer all of that out to all beings so that all beings have what they need and all beings are touched and blessed in that way and dedicate your practice to all beings. And at the very end of your practice, take a drop of the water from the offering bowl and put it onto your tongue. This water grants realization that will ultimately lead to enlightenment. And then the following mantra is said, Jambala Siddhi Palaho. Prayer to Yellow Jambala. Having obtained the power of concentration, you eliminate the poverty of beings. Wish granting, jewel like deity, I praise you with respect. Offering clean, fresh water completely pacifies suffering and bestows abundantly the realizations of food, clothing, wealth, and grain. Thank you. 